Hello, hello. Am I late? Oh, two minutes late. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, we were just having a check uh, behind the scenes. But uh, welcome to the Ravit Show. I have a very, very special guest today, and I've been, uh, I think, talking to Dr. Kirkborn since uh, forever now. And uh, we've been deciding when should we go, uh, when will he be uh, live on the Ravit Show? And the day has just come today. So uh, a little about Kirk. Obviously, he's like worldwide top influencer since 2013. I don't think 2013, it's way, way, way before that. Uh, and he's a data scientist, global speaker, consultant, uh, space scientist, big data, and uh, obviously data science advisor, TEDx speaker, uh, researcher, blogger, data literacy advocate, and a lot, lot more. Now, before calling in Dr. Kirk, uh, obviously, I would uh, love to thank our uh, partners, 365 Data Science, and how to get analytics job by Albert and John. So, before any further ado, hey Kirk, welcome to the Ravid Show. Ravid, I love great. your background. <laughs> it's great to be here. I'm falling, <laughs> I'm falling into my double black hole this morning. <laughs> Kate is here. There's room for two. There's two black holes. Let's all fall in together. <laughs> <laughs> Looks very cool. It is Kate. I see Kate commenting. Yes. Hello, Kate. Kate. Yeah. <laughs> We are dedicated. <laughs> dedicated. We're all dedicated. Yes. And I'm sure. Yeah. Hello, hello. Dr. Tariq is here. All right. If we say hello to everyone, we'll be here all morning, all afternoon, all evening. <laughs> so, but, but well, <laughs> thank you all for joining. I yes. See, for watching Thanks, DC. Bill, for There's Bill right, yes. right down the street from me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, Kirk, um, uh, for, for everyone you're joining in, they would obviously want to hear about you and obviously about your new journey, which is at dataprime.ai. Uh, so uh, first thing, why not let's uh, start with introducing you. Uh, can you just do that for us? Yeah, so uh, my background is astrophysics. So uh, yeah, there's an astronomy background behind me. Um, so my big background is, has been astrophysics ever since I was a child, I wanted to be an astronomer. I have a PhD in astronomy from Caltech, and I did astronomy uh, data systems as my uh, regular day job for NASA for 20 years. So I would tell people I would do data by day and data by night as an astronomer. <laughs> so I was always working with data, whether it's in data systems uh, for the space mission projects at NASA or data analysis for my astronomy projects. And that was about 20 years of work. And, and about uh, a little over 20 years ago, I discovered this thing called data mining. So data mining, which we would probably just now call data science, but we didn't, we didn't have the word data science back then, uh, introduced me to a whole new kind of math called machine learning, uh, which I, even though I had tons of math in my physics and astronomy courses, I had tons of math, but I never saw machine learning, these, these techniques for, for building predictive models from patterns and data. And so I just got infatuated with it, loved it, started doing it. And uh, after 20 years at NASA, I left NASA, I went to George Mason University, became professor of astrophysics. Uh, so I never actually taught astrophysics courses, <laughs> even though I was, I was professor of astrophysics. But we, what we did there was we started the world's first undergraduate data science degree program. And so uh, we started that program about uh, ooh, 14 years ago. We already had a graduate, we had a graduate program in computational informatics and statistics. So that was basically, again, data science. So we had the graduate and undergraduate programs. So I was doing what I loved. I loved sharing and teaching and learning about stuff and teaching other people about stuff. 
And after yeah, doing exactly. that for a number of years, I was started get, getting calls from companies to consult with them and to advise them using data science. So eventually this big uh, consulting company, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, called me about six years ago and offered me a job I couldn't refuse. Uh, so I left my uh, so I left my tenured full professorship <laughs> at a university, <laughs> my dream job, exactly. to go to a, uh, this company where they made me their uh, first data science fellow, their first principal data scientist, and uh, exactly. also executive advisor. So I, was, I got to do all the things I love doing: teaching, training, mentoring, advising, consulting, writing, public speaking, social promoting, everything. So my dream job, <laughs> and so that was. Uh, six years ago, and then uh, a little over one month ago, I left that and now working for a, a new company, uh, a startup actually, Data Prime, which we'll talk about more later. Uh, but so I'm, I'm on my next new adventure. So I, I tell people uh, my life has always been around data, discovery from data, science discovery. Uh, my wife yeah. once said to me, you've had many careers. And I said, no, I've only had one career that's as a scientist. I've always been interested in discovery from data. And so that, that's, uh, that's my 40 years and, and, and 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think uh, it's quite a journey, uh, Kirk, obviously, because uh, coming from a background which is obviously astrophysicist, and now you are such a big influencer in AI and data, I wouldn't uh, put AI out of that because obviously I know you're making some amazing strides in the AI uh, uh, world as well. So, uh, it's it's huge and uh, you know to ask you how how has that journey been from being an astrophysicist to someone today where uh, you are talk of the town and you are in demand everywhere uh, wherever i see you uh, people are asking maybe uh, you know i've just got a date with you like after almost 6 to 7 months because obviously your calendar is just packed for maybe the next uh, six months more, <laughs> you'll have your calendar pack. So how has this journey been in, um, you know, can you just tell us how how does it uh, feel? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it feels kind of crazy most days. <laughs> exactly. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of this stuff, but but really the, I mean, the I guess uh, the two sort of uh, joys I have in my, in my career are both discovery, scientific discovery from data, and teaching, yep. basically teaching and training of people. And so I actually got on Twitter. Um, I just passed my nine year anniversary on Twitter. So next year will be my 10 years on Twitter. And, wow. I, and I just, I, I, I used Twitter initially just as my micro education platform. So I just yep. uh, shared data science and AI and machine learning stuff with people 140 characters at a time. And, and then and then and then Twitter changed all that and gave us 280 characters. But yeah, but it, exactly. So I was just doing what I love doing. I just love sharing and teaching and training and, and and informing people because the world is influenced by data, driven by data, informed by data, innovation from data. Everything is is driven through some kind of digital signals, digital information. And so yeah. I just I just did that because I loved it until one day in 2013. So it was 2013. Uh, eight years ago, I got the, I, I appeared at the top of a list of top worldwide big data influencers, and, and I didn't even know what that meant. Someone, some friend of mine on Twitter said, "Hey, you're the top influencer <laughs> in the world." I, I had no, I never even heard that terminology before. I didn't know what a social influencer was. I just thought of people like, you know, like Justin Bieber and, and Beyonce, and, you know, <laughs> people like that. Oh, they're social influencers. I don't understand what. Why am I a social influencer? But, uh, yeah. but it's always been about sharing the love 
of discovery, sharing the love of what data can do for transforming business, transforming social causes, transforming our world. And I just, I just uh, can't love it. <laughs> data above all, I think, uh, obviously the journey has been, when you say, uh, you know, back in 2013, yes, obviously no one much that, uh, might have even thought that there's something, you know, obviously like the top influencers or something, but uh, maybe you just, and I think, now almost close to nine years you're still on the top i see you you know you named after so many places maybe in gati maybe on analytica all the places it's you who's you know topping the graphs so which is fantastic and congratulations on the ninth year anniversary on twitter uh, <laughs> so how's your twitter journey been? because i see uh, you have more than almost 250k followers you have a, it's a verified twitter account and how has that been you know how has that changed over years from starting from 2013 till date well like i said it's just been a, a quite a wild ride because because of the uh, not only just uh the sort of the focus of what i do but but how the focus has changed uh so for example last year i spent a lot of i, I really got I, for the longest time i've been very interested and uh, the sort of Internet of Things, because what, what Internet of Things are, these are sensors that are collecting tons of data. So I love data. So what, what, what better to love than the Internet of Things, because there's trillions of sensors collecting data. And, I actually, and, <laughs> so back, and back in uh, my day at the university, I had, I, in my graduate course, I, I, had a, I had a section in my course on uh, what we called the, the sensor web. So that was the phrase we used back then. The sensor web was basically a web of sensors. So, so basically, I said, you know, the internet used to be a thing. Now, now things are the internet. <laughs> all right. And so, this, so these streams of dynamic data measuring all kinds of processes, people, behaviors, things, engines, machines, e-commerce stores, the climate, everything, we're collecting data on. And so, basically, collecting that data at the edge gives us insight to take actions and make decisions right at the moment of data collection. And so I started focusing a lot more in the last year on the Internet of Things until I got, I got was the number one world influencer in IoT last year. <laughs> and, uh, I, and a couple of years ago, I was really into uh, digital marketing because I love I love mar marketing because it touches every aspect of human life, right? Whether you're marketing right. products or you're mar marketing experiences or you're marketing uh, I mean, everybody, right? Healthcare, businesses, banks, everybody wants yeah. to inf influence you to make decisions. So that's that's human life. And so so I, I think of human behavior as and data as being a, a great marriage of data science because understanding and influencing people to make better decisions, take better actions, even in sciences, right? I mean, even recommending best action for a scientist to do his next her next research study. So I started doing a lot of study and talks about digital marketing and how that connected all the dots in my sort of universe of using data to inform and inspire decisions. And so I became a top worldwide influencer in digital marketing, even though I know absolutely yeah. nothing about <laughs> digital marketing. So, so I just want people to be clear. Okay, so I may be a top influencer in AI, but I'm not a researcher in AI because, because sometimes I get AI researchers say, well, what have you done for AI? Okay, well, I, ha I have done oh, some research yeah. and a, a small amount of research in AI during my years at exactly. NASA at the university, but that's not what this means. This, this means actually influencing businesses and individuals to pay attention to this, right. to learn to learn this, to uh, to start using this, to be aware of this, to, to understand this, uh, the, the risk factors, the safety factors, all, all these sure. things I want to inform people about. And so 
I guess that's what it means by being an influencer is I'm helping people to understand those things to make better decisions with AI or with whatever uh, technology we're talking about. So, so I'm, I'm not going to stand up and claim I'm, I'm anywhere on the same par as people like <laughs> Andrew Ying or uh, Jeff Hinton, people like that who are basically, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, the world champion AI researchers. I'm not, I'm not that guy, you know. But I want to share yeah. what I'm sharing to share what they do with other people and get people to pay attention mm-hmm. to what they're doing, and, and hopefully I'm succeeding in, the, in the, that in a small yeah. way. <laughs> You know, I think, yes, definitely. I think there's a thick line difference between being a researcher and being a, a, a researcher and a practitioner and being an influencer. An influencer, like obviously, like Kate also mentions, influencer first, second is the learning. So it is something, both both are very different, but uh, obviously you are sending out and influencing the best practices in AI. And that is obviously out of a little research that you do. And uh, makes sense, Kirk. Uh, we have a few questions. Uh, I see Scott Taylor is here. Hey, Scott. Um, all right, Scott. We got we got uh, all your yes. friends here. All your friends from around the world are joining us today. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's, it looks like a good morning for them. And um, I want to shout out to all my friends. I want to shout out to all my friends in India. So, hello. Yes. <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> so when Analytics Video had their first Data Hack Summit. Five, you know, four, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was the their keynote speaker, uh, and that yeah. was such a joy for me because I have so many friends in the, in the uh, Twitter and LinkedIn world in India. I think my, I think outside the United States, it's my biggest following is, is in India, and oh, yes. uh, I, I just yeah. loved uh, going to that conference. And uh, I tell people the little stories that I, I gave the keynote talk at like nine o'clock that morning, and after I got off the finished talking, people came up to me and started asking me questions. And so, so the, the host of the conference said, can, he said, can you just take the take your conversations out in the hallway because we got to have another speaker coming. Okay. <laughs> and so we took the conversation out in the hallway and all these people followed me. And and nine hours later, I was still talking to people. I, oh my goodness. It's still six o'clock that evening. And uh, wow. And there was a young man who <laughs> there was a young man, a wonderful person who was my who who basically hosted me and, and took care of all my taxis and all my needs while I was there. And he he uh, he came up to me like six o'clock that evening after I'd been talking with people for nine hours. He said, Kirk, Kirk, you have a very important meeting right now. We have a scheduled important meeting, you know, in the speaker yeah. ready room. Can you please come now? And so I go back there and I said, what's the meeting? He says, he says, uh, we want you to just sit down and relax. Relax. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, I sat, so I sat down and relaxed and I was just sitting there just <laughs> completely relaxing. And all of a sudden, everybody from the conference team comes in with a little birthday cake and saying happy birthday to me because it was my birthday and I completely forgot because I was just so exhausted. <laughs> and now everybody there is so kind and it's just a, a, a wonderful experience. And I just hope to come back someday. Oh, yes, definitely. Was it in Bangalore by any yeah. chance? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I, I hope things get better and you... Uh, come back uh, for another conference but i can only imagine someone talking for nine hours continuously and uh, answering those questions that's why I, that's can... why i have a drink with me here so i can keep clear my throat <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I know i'm taking you away from your questions but i did, i i also want to share something that i shared at that conference yes please and, and that is uh, two of my phd students who got phds from me are from india and so i, I have a pretty strong connection there uh so i shared their stories and the, and the amazing research that they've done. One of those people is now a, a researcher at Amazon, 
And the other person, she's actually the chief data scientist for Hitachi Ventara right now. So they've actually moved quite along. So, so there was that connection there, but I said, I have a, even a more a strong connection. So I'm the academic great-grandchild. So you know what an academic child is, right? So my PhD advisor mm. was Jim Gunn. His PhD advisor was Guido Munch. So Guido Munch was my academic grandfather. My academic great-grandfather was uh, Subramanian Chandrasekhar, one of the great astrophysicists and physicists, Nobel Prize winning physicists from India. So my academic great-grandfather uh, is Subramanian Chandrasekhar. And, and, and so I, I, I have the strong connection academically uh, as well as personally, personally and socially through, through social media. Uh, with you folks, with all your all your friends and family and colleagues, and, and, and like, like I said, I want to come back. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, uh, uh, Kirk. Obviously, you know it is kind of uh, uh, shocking to hear this because there's a hierarchy and there, there's a, a complete uh, you know connection to your academics to India, and which is super cool, I guess. Yeah, it's, that's really special for me. So thank. I shared that with my when when. Uh, uh, this, when I had my students at, at George Mason, these two students specifically, I, I, I brought them into my office one day and I said, I want to tell you your connection because now you are a PhD, my PhD graduate. And so your academic great, great grandfather is probably one of the greatest scientists, physicists specifically uh, from India. And uh, they were just like in tears practically. I, I was in tears with them because it's, it's a really, it was a special moment for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think uh, it definitely is like a happy moment for me as well, where you have a, a one person as well connection <laughs> and it's a huge connection. So a good happy moment for us uh, being, uh, you know, following you since years. And now I know uh, why it is so strong. So <laughs> thanks for that, Kirk. Uh, thanks for that information. I'll keep that in mind. And definitely the day we meet in Bangalore, maybe or in Mumbai, <laughs> yeah. I'll get this up uh, uh, for everyone in Woodward. <laughs> know more about it uh okay Kirk, uh, i have a few questions uh coming in uh a question from neerat satpal uh what i what are you uh, what you are doing is commendable Kirk, uh, making okay he's talking about the data prime completely free for data professionals seeking job opportunities wow yes so okay so uh since he's spoken about uh data prime um i wanted to know uh Kirk, obviously uh since I recently saw that announcement everywhere, it was all over the internet that Kirk has uh, joined Data Prime now. Uh, so, what what exactly are you uh, doing at Data Prime, and what's your role, current role? Well, first of all, I want to uh, ask everyone here if if you sent me congratulations on LinkedIn, and I haven't responded yet. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I got over a thousand messages like exactly. that. And I got through some of them, but it's just been difficult to get to every one of them. So if you're waiting for me to send you a reply, uh, I just gave you one, but I hope I hope to actually send you one on LinkedIn soon. One of these, because <laughs> uh, it was just an avalanche uh, of comments and, and support and encouragement. Oh, yes. It was it was just wonderful, but it was just like a lot that happened all at once. And so so, uh, so Data Prime is a startup, uh, basically about the time, the day that I guess that I was announced as joining them as a chief science officer. So I'm on the, the leadership yeah. team as chief, chief science officer. 
uh, was basically the, the that, that day when that announcement was made was the day they basically announced their existence to the world. I mean, even though you could find them, they really hadn't made any public announcement. I mean, they were they had a website, they were on LinkedIn, but they didn't, they didn't do anything to promote themselves or make themselves known to people until that day. And so we're a brand new startup. I mean, literally like three weeks out of the gate, uh, we're building up uh, a, a massive data uh, collection of both job descriptions, job job opportunities and candidates in the data professions and data professions includes everything not just data science but data engineering machine learning machine learning engineering cloud engineering uh you know software development around uh, data yep. systems data ops ml ops databases tableau data visualization data storytelling hello <laughs> all the any, any you know bi dashboards you name it anything that has data connected with it we're collecting yep. Uh, we're encouraging people to upload their data profiles. And, and so eventually we're going to have enough data on the employers' jobs and on the employees to do a, a, a personalization match, best job to best candidate. Wow. But, but okay. we're, we're fresh out of the gate. We're just, we're just gone public with this. And so we're, we're, we're encouraging people, uh, you know, like, like Niraj says there, we're, we're, it's completely free for data professionals to upload your profile. I encourage everyone here to do that because even if you're not interested today, maybe two years from now, something will happen. That happened to me back in the day when I was at George Mason. I saw this cool company, Booz Allen Hamilton, doing all kinds of great stuff in data science. I put my resume in their system. I put my resume in there and forgot about it. Two years later, they called me up and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And so if you're not ready today, and it turns out that the studies have been done and I just conducted my own study. And if some of you probably saw my poll on LinkedIn, I asked people, when will you think be thinking about you know, your next job change? And the average is 1.3 years in the data science world. So people change jobs. And, and from my poll, I did it both on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, the median, I, I didn't give them, ask them for a specific number. The median in this poll they took was around 12 months. Okay, maybe a little, maybe a little less than 12 months on LinkedIn, a little more than 12 months people be looking for a job on Twitter, which makes sense because LinkedIn is more people, you know, a lot of sort of employment, yeah. job related kind of things happen on LinkedIn. So anyway, so yeah. so it's completely free for the professionals, data science professionals to upload your profile and I encourage everyone to do it because the more we have there, the more we can then attract the employers to bring in their data, their job descriptions, and the job descriptions oh. include all aspects of the jobs, okay, the skills, the aptitudes, uh, you know, the, 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 the location, the salary, whatever, whatever they can give, then we can uh, do that match. Uh, so the match becomes better and better and better. I mean, just like a recommender engine, right? If you, if you have a small little store, if you sell bananas and apples, you can recommend one or two things to people. But if you're, but if you're Amazon, you have hundreds of millions, if not billions of products. And so your recommender engine becomes better and better and better, the more you have. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to build that sort of recommender engine to employers to, to identify the best candidates for their jobs. And so, so ultimately, uh, the value proposition that we're making to our investors, and we, have, we do have investors, uh, so, I came, yeah. so I came onto this thing, into this data prime after they've already gone through their first round, now they're gonna be going to their next round this summer of investing. So uh, they really believe this, uh, that once we have this really uh, good matching algorithm and a, and, a, and a large volume of potential candidates that employers you know, will seek us out to help them find their positions. And so, and so that's that's sort of the, the where the value is created. It's, it's the employers coming in 
uh, and subscribing to the platform. Not you, not you, the data science professional. You don't have. You will never be charged for this. You, in fact, hopefully, you will receive ideal offers for jobs from this. <laughs> And so, yeah, exactly. and so, and so, I'm not I'm not in the employment business, but a lot of the people who are the leaders uh, in this data prime startup, they they come from the world of uh, recruiting, executive recruiting, and high end professional uh, te technical position recruiting. And so, my role as chief science officer is to oversee the sort of the data science, machine learning, uh, and not tasking people to do things, but you know, watching yeah. it, what's happening, advising, consulting, inserting whatever wisdom I might bring to the topic. Uh, wow. so it's about the algorithms. It's also about the data. So there's, so we, and it's also about the product. It's also about the platform. It's also about the user interface. And so data, uh, so you, I know you've had Bill Schmarzo, the Dean of big data on your show, uh, Bill Schmarzo <laughs> yeah. years ago started talking about the importance of design thinking in data science. And I became a really big fan of design yeah. thinking because we have to design whatever we're doing, even as data scientists, the end user is a human being. It's got to be consumable, understandable, explainable, transparent to humans. And so, and so, even in our our platform, like any platform online, it has to be usable and friendly and enjoyable for people to access and use the platform. And we're very early days. I mean, if you if you've gone there and it looks a little rough, that's okay because we're two weeks old, right? <laughs> so we're, we're gonna get better. Yeah, we're exactly. gonna get we're gonna get better. We got we got UI experts and we got the data uh, machine learning experts. Uh, and, and again, we had an advisory board who comes from the world of, of uh, professional uh, job placement for technical people. So, so those are the people who they, they know the business, and we got people who know the technology. And I'm just the science yeah. guy <laughs> watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it, it it kind of resonates very well uh, with me, uh, Kirk, when you say what Data Prime is actually doing is because the irony is I met someone just a few weeks back, and he he's obviously he's my one of my friends in US, and he's like, I'm looking out for a data scientist role, and uh, it's been kind of difficult, you know, because wherever I'm trying to apply, uh, it doesn't uh, give me the right, you know, either the experience or it's not popping up the right uh, requirements that an employer needs. Uh, and I think uh, using machine learning algorithms and uh, AI, it will, uh, Data Prime is making sure that there's no gap between an employer and an employee. And the right fit might just be, uh, you know, bought in or maybe suggested by the employer. So I think it will be a win-win uh, in the coming few weeks, I feel, uh, for the people who are looking out for jobs and also for the employers because they can have something which is a very super tool by Data Prime. Sounds yeah. uh, very interesting. Yeah, and I think the, uh, just uh, not to f spend too much more time on this, but uh, but again, yeah. it's sort of that that sort of a jump. <laughs> like going back to my old story about no, I have, I haven't had many careers. I've only had one career as a scientist. So so this so this looks this looks like a big jump from astrophysics now into recruiting. <laughs> but for me, it, it's but but the way I think about it is the way I've always thought about problems, which I learned as a physics student, right? So in physics, you learn all about modeling systems. So there's inputs and there's outputs, and there's fundamental principles governing equations that govern how you map inputs to outputs. And that's what machine learning is. That's what data science is. You're trying to map inputs to outputs, right? And you, and you, and you have, you, you, whether you call them equations or functions or just governing principles, and that's the same thing applies to job placement, right? You want that ideal candidate for the ideal job, right? So, so there's inputs, yeah. which are your, your, your skills and aptitudes and, and interests and preferences. 
And then there's exactly. the employer job description, which also has interests and preferences for the type of person they want. And so there's, there's yeah. so that so to understanding the data on both sides and understanding the the algorithms that connect the two things that the mapping, the otherwise known as an algorithm, the mapping that connects the two. Again, that's the scientific thing that really turns me on about this problem because it, it brings me all the way back to my my 400 physics courses. What it felt like 400. All those physics and math courses I took in college. It's all. I mean, even though I used that for decades as an astrophysicist, it's it's like really real here because it's like a new field for me now. Recruiting, you don't think about that as physics, but it, but it, the physics of recruiting is again mapping an input to an output response. Right? Okay, so you got input data, and then you want the output response is the ideal match job recommendation. And so, what are the governing equations? What are the governing principles? And uh, we're having those conversations every day. I mean, so the, so the algorithm uh, is getting adjusted, discussed, and updated. You know, as we speak. <laughs> again, we're not a young company. Yeah, exactly. we're, we're testing it. We, we have some beta testers who are being, you know, are pretending they're looking for jobs, and we get recommendations to them, and they give us feedback on whether no, that's not me, that's not what I'm looking for, and uh, okay. I think, and I think that sort of human interaction is critical in, in all of our machine learning. That is, people don't just build a machine learning algorithm and deploy it. We need, you know, other people, other people, not our, not the team that built it, to look at it and say, no, that doesn't look right, or that looks wrong, or there's, I see some bias here, or I see some, you know, some incompleteness here, or whatever it is. You got to have those uh, sort of you have to have those conversations with with other people who aren't the people who designed and built it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that definitely makes sense. And thanks for sharing that. Uh, obviously, there was a follow up question from Neeraj. Uh, what do you see as a bigger challenge for business: dirty data or lack of uh, data science data? Yeah. Uh, not quite sure. I understood that last part there, but but certainly dirty data is a big problem. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's lack of clean data, perhaps, uh, or, or lack of sufficient data. So uh, this takes me back to my Internet of Things story, because I think uh, the more different data sources you have, the more context you have to make a decision, right? So you don't make a decision just upon one sort of narrow point of view. You, you have the, the context in which that thing lives, right? So I think about a self-driving car. I, use, I always use self-driving car as an example. If all I had was one camera on the front of the car and all the camera did is look straight ahead, that would be insufficient to drive safely because you have to see what's happening around the car. What's, you know, maybe there's children playing or maybe there's the cars coming from a side street. So you, you need all kinds of contextual information, not just what's happening directly in front of you. And so whether you call it Internet of Things or just other data, alternative data sources, contextual data sources. Now, yeah, a lot of that will be dirty data. So, so yeah, I, don't, I think dirty data is, is frequently uh, a challenge. Yeah. I see Naraj corrected this question. Data science talent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, yeah, there, there are two. Those are two big challenges indeed. Data science, lack of data science talent, and dirty data. So I don't want to. I don't want to like have a competition. Say which is worse, right? Of course, we all know that eighty percent of data <laughs> scientists' time are spent cleaning and preparing their data, yeah, and the other twenty percent of their time they spend complaining about cleaning their data. <laughs> so, but anyway, so. <laughs> So all, all those things are challenges in the field. And this, this is why this is such an exciting field because we're, we have challenges on all sides. And I think we as human beings, especially people who are technology and science oriented people like we are, we, you know, we, 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 we welcome challenges. We, 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 we do what we do because we love to solve a problem, right? And, yeah. so, and so, yeah, all these, are, all these things are challenges and they haven't been solved yet. And I think that's one of the, one of the, uh, the lessons from uh, the past, rev the past 12 years of the re data science revolution is that as fast as the job 
candidate pool grows because when we started the first data science degree program in the world, there was, we were the first, right? And within a few years, yeah. there, were, there were two or three more. And now there's literally thousands of, of graduate programs, master's programs, undergraduate programs, boot camps, certificates. There's exactly. thousands of, and there's tens of thousands of new candidates every year being produced by these programs, if not hundreds of thousands. And yet the number of job opportunities is growing more rapidly than that. So, so the, the output talent might be growing exponentially, but the job opportunities are growing also exponentially, but faster. So the difference of two exponentials is still an exponential. <laughs> okay. so, so, so the lack of data science talent is a big problem. Dirty data, yeah. obviously, is, has always since the, since the dawn of humanity <laughs> been a big problem. Think about the you know, think about the first time you know some you know army general lost a lost a battle because he had bad intelligence. Right? I mean, dirty data is, <laughs> has always been a problem. Or you or you or you take your you take your tribe out to hunt for the, uh, the hunt for your your family meal for the day, and, and you got bad intel, and you go the wrong direction, and you, and you don't you don't uh, intercept the herd that you were tracking all week <laughs> okay so so anyway so so dirty data is, is, is never seems to go away so we, we have to certainly pay attention to yeah. that as well so so i don't know if that i, I don't know if i'd be too wishy-washy for that question but but they're both big goals. <laughs> it's just like when people ask me i I, get, I do these data science meetups and stuff and there's always someone says uh should i learn people ask me should i learn r or python and i say yes <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, exactly. It's just about uh, your your choice first thing, and obviously both are important. <laughs> so to go for it. But um, I took you off. You had a whole bunch of questions. I took you off track here. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, God. Obviously, I'll just uh, come back because I I see a lot many questions on data literacy. First thing, obviously, my question was: I know you love data literacy, and you love that as a topic. So can you tell the audience uh, why data literacy is important today? And then we can take a few questions from the audience on data literacy. Well, I've given lots of uh, talks on this. Uh, so data literacy is, uh, is not, that doesn't mean you're data science or machine learning literate, because certainly machine learning is high level math and, and doing data science involves the math and the coding. And not every person in the world should do that. But I think every person in the world should be data literate because uh, the world is, is digital, right? Everything you pretty much everything you touch and everything you do uh, and all, all your interactions with it, whether it's healthcare or government or services or online shopping or, or anything, there's there's a there's an e-component, right? There's an, there's an information component. And the more we understand that, and especially since we got, we all got these sort of, we all got smartphones, right? It, it seems like nowadays pretty much everyone with apps and all those things are generating data, producing data, using data. And I tell my students, it's that all those companies are making money off of that. Well, why don't you do that too? And so data literacy is under, is it basically it's sort of like four things, you know, first of all, it's just sort of recognizing data when you see it. And so data is everywhere, right? So it's images, it's text, it's sound, it's videos, you know, it's numbers, it's time charts, it's time series. I mean, everything is data, everything is data. So recognizing and understanding data, you know, then being able to, to uh, work with it, that is sort it, group it, you know, recognize patterns in it like anomalies like dirty data recognize anomalies or trends or correlations okay so then you then that moves to analyzing so say so what are these correlations what are these patterns what are these trends uh, what do they mean what, what kind of value could they bring to me or to my company or to my organization or to my community yeah. and then actually you know 
doing something about that, which oftentimes means communicating to other people the decision that's, that, you, that you're recommending from the data. So, so, so communicating with, or some people call that arguing with data. That sounds like, I mean, I don't mean arguing with people, but I mean, in the same way a, a logical argument is presented in a court of law, right? You make a logical argument from evidence. So, so, so being able to use data in a, in a logical argument and to communicate, that's part of data literacy. So first recognizing it, understanding it, you know, uh, then uh, being able to work with it, and then analyze it, and then and then communicating with data. So that's data literacy. So it's just like, you know, language literacy or uh, numer or numeric literacy. We all couldn't live and work in the world if we didn't have the language and. What, exactly. you know, and it doesn't mean voice or it just any kind of language literacy, whether it's reading or visual, it's visual, speaking, listening, whatever, language literacy, numeric literacy, and now data literacy is essential because the world is digital and, it's, and data drives AI, data drives, you know, blockchain, data drives drones, data drives your e-commerce store, data drives everything. Data drives your self-driving car. <laughs> data drives all the emerging technologies of the world because it is coming off of digital devices, digital information flows through those digital devices, <laughs> creates it, generates it, uses it, and creates value. So everyone should get on board with creating value from data. No, I think definitely that is uh, great information on data literacy. And uh, I know for a fact that there was a, a recent book, uh, Be Data Literate as well by Jordan Mordo, uh, yeah, love which that. is yeah. one of the best books I have, uh, you know, actually seen on internet today. And uh, I, I think uh, you, you already own that book. Uh, yes, I do. In fact, I should have had yeah. all my books around me. <laughs> I know that I know that you, Robert, has, you Robert, have sent me so many books. Jordan sent okay, me his book. Uh, Bill Schmarzo sent me his book. Well, he better because I wrote the forward for his book. Hey, look at that. Yes, this you, book. See my, you see my name down there? There's my name yes, on yeah. there. <laughs> I wrote the board for that book. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Me, so I, I spent time on that, so you better read it. <laughs> yes. No, I've read it and definitely, you know, I've been talking to Bill about it, about the whole uh, uh, data monetization bit, uh, because that's a topic to discuss. Obviously, Doug is one of the person who's out there who talks a lot about uh, data monetization and yep. I would also want to know that more about more about data monetization not in this session with you but definitely I'll book you again for that uh, whole topic yeah I, I just um, want to say that I, I, I've seen I've, I've talked with Doug Doug Laney I have his book economics yeah. I uh, one thing I one thing I really like that he says is that he, he, he repudiates the the notion that data is the new oil because we hear that all the time data is new oil so i just want to say this i i completely totally support what he says and i'm a big believer in it and the way he explained it was so perfect because oil is a is, is an expendable resource you know once you use it it's you can't use it again but data is a renewable resource you can use the same data you can use the same customer data to understand market trends, to understand uh, recommendations, to make recommendations Again. to that customer, to understand product performance, to understand customer satisfaction, to understand, you know, supply chain and logistics and, and, uh, and, and demand pricing. I mean, you can use the same data over and over and over again and create value from. So data monetization doesn't necessarily mean how many dollars, even, even though, yeah, we should measure it in some kind of unit like that. But it, it means what are, what, or how, how are you creating value from data? And so value, yeah. 
is, is whether it's in the efficiencies or actually something you sell either way you want to see it in the bottom line that and so that that data monetization comes about not just from using that data once and getting rid of it it's using it over and over and over again so so some people say data is the new sun or the new electricity i mean i i, I don't really i think we, it's too silly to get into those metaphors but, I, but the one that i just don't want to ever agree with ever again is data is the new oil because it's 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 a renewable resource Your, the value creation can, can continue mm. uh, very interesting and thanks for sharing that experience and uh, i i've actually heard uh, uh data is the new super oil <laughs> mike says data is the new super oil uh, i could not <laughs> agree to that too okay, <laughs> I <don't>. well, <laughs> Well, I think I think he should write a book on that because, uh, <laughs> hey, Mike, you hear me? <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested in reading it. <laughs> I'm not sure how you're going to convince me, but I'm willing to listen. <laughs> I, I just saw in the questions here. People are asking about the about uh, university degrees in this field. I just I do want to answer yeah. that because it comes up frequently, and I yes. tell people that um, I, mean, I get this all all the time. People say, "Do I really need a university degree?" Because I I you know, I can finish a Coursera course and get job offers. And this is true. So, so it's really true that anybody, and I do mean anybody, any age, can learn this stuff because we are humans. We are we are built to be learners. We, that's what humans do. We, that's why we have all these sense. We we have our own Internet of Things. We got eyes and ears, and and sound, our mouths. So we sense our world. So we're learning. We can learn, and that's what humans do. So. So anyone can learn this and you can get a job, but if you really want to have a, a, a career in this, I think having a, a professional degree helps you in the progression of your career. So yes, you can get a really great job as a machine learning person. Well, one thing I know from 40 years in the profession and then the science profession is that these, these, these I, don't know, I don't want to call it a fad, but these sort of hype cycles come and go. Like what, what, what really is hot for employers today might not be the same thing 10 years from now. So you might be the world's best Python machine learning coder, but 10 years from now, maybe all that stuff is gonna be already solved, right? There's gonna be all the, all these things are gonna be embedded in, in the software already or embedded in the cloud, which all businesses are, are all businesses going to the cloud anyway. The cloud service providers have armies of people developing that stuff. And there's, there's only so much math that you can reinvent. <laughs> so so, so, you, so for a, a long, successful long career uh, with professional development and not keep doing the same thing for 40 years, which I don't, don't think is a, a pleasant way to think about a career doing exactly the same thing, even if it's what you love doing today, it might not be 40 years from now. So the yeah. professional degree will help you in that progression. But yes, you can get started now without a degree uh, and, and move from there. So, so, so if you go to a college degree, I, I always tell people that uh, but if your if your choices are like bachelor's degree, master's, or, or PhD, I say PhD is a research degree, right? So if you intend to be a researcher, whether at an academic research institution like a, a university, or a, a research lab, if you're if you're not going to be a researcher publishing in journals, scientific journals, then the PhD is not necessary, right? If, yeah, if you want to get a PhD, that's fine, but but the, the career path, most often than not, is an academic career path which is very different from the other career paths that data scientists follow today. Yeah. <clears throat> if, if you want a bachelor, if you give it for a bachelor's degree, that, that's sort of like just, that's sort of like the foundational basics. It's not necessarily the, the professional content, you know, that will get you like a promotion. So a, a master's degree tends to be that, that sweet spot 
for the career advancement. I mean, not that you need it to start. You don't need it to start. But if, but if you want to make that career advancement, so that you have those advanced professional courses and professional training helps. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not discouraging anyone to do anything. Just just I'm just making clear what kind of things you can expect if you if you yeah, follow one of these paths. But if you just want to take some Coursera or, or Udemy or Datacamp courses or, or analytics video courses, and I, I know they got a lot. If you just want to take that and, and go forth from there with a with a job, go for it. Do it. Go do that. Uh, but but keep that's learning. True. Never stop learning. Whatever whatever you're doing, just never stop learning. And that's where I why I'm here today. I mean, I started in physics and astronomy. Uh, and uh, I was when I my first job at NASA, they threw me into working with databases. I didn't know what a database was 35 <laughs> years ago. Databases were in banks. No one used databases except in banks and financial institutions. But I was forced to learn exactly. it. And, and all of a sudden, I was doing data systems for NASA for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, this machine learning came along, and I, it was a whole new world for me. I had, I had to open up new textbooks that I never opened before. And uh, so, just keep on learning. Uh, that's that's going to get you all kinds of interesting opportunities and plus you're just gonna have a lot of fun along the way and you'll probably get invited to the rabbit show and uh, and that'll be even more fun <laughs> uh, no, thanks uh, uh obviously you've shared gold where and this is a very important question you know always people kind of have that myth where you need to have a university degree to get into a job uh, but you've clarified that uh, it's about more about keep learning and keep upskilling yourself maybe someone today who's a master in python might not might not be the same after 10 years so definitely makes sense i was and, a ma i was a master i was a master fortran programmer i mean i started oh, okay. i learned i learned i learned programming in high school back in the day when nobody even knew what that was Right nowadays, of course, yeah, everyone learns coding. Even the kindergartners learn coding with scratch, right? But I, I learned Fortran in high school. Did it all through college and graduate school. I, I, I wrote the entire proposal processing system for the Hubble Space Telescope. You know, using combinations of SQL and Fortran, uh, yeah. the VAX VMS system, and uh, and a few other things. <laughs> uh, so, and and I, I, I wrote models of colliding galaxies with black holes yeah. in the middles. I did all kinds, all kinds of. That was my research: colliding galaxies, merging galaxies. Wow. Look, you can look it up. I wrote, and I wrote. I was all based on Fortran. I did that for twenty years, and all of a sudden, no one was using Fortran anymore, except in the in the really high-end scientific research labs, like nuclear fusion, and uh, you know, climate change. There's still a lot of uh, fundamental, you know, scientific exactly. programming required for for those high-end jobs. But, but otherwise, people aren't using that field. So what I, what I believed and used and got success with for 20 years, no one even mentions in job descriptions anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And uh, we had Scott here who says, you're, you're say no to uh, the data as the new oil. So yes, <laughs> there. I see the data whisperers whispering something here. <laughs> yes, something here. very important, definitely. Yes. Oh, we no had a question <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Scott. <laughs> Scott, what is Ditno? <laughs> uh, it, it's data is the new oil. Oh, I'm sorry. T -T oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> duh, duh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I should know. I, I, I worked at I worked at NASA for 20 years, where everything was an acronym. <laughs> Oh yes. <laughs> so we so we used to joke that NASA not didn't stand for the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. NASA actually stood for the National Administration of Superfluous Acronyms. Oh my goodness! Anyway. Was that made up in the campus or something? <laughs> no, it was just made up by me. 
Okay. <laughs> it was just me. Sorry. No one, no one actually, no one actually said that. Just me. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Sounds good. Um, uh, Kirk, we had a question from Gaurav. We do exploratory data analysis on data to understand it by understanding patterns and trends in it. Can I call it data literacy? Oh, that's even beyond data literacy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So remember, data literacy is both understanding, you know, uh, analyze. I mean. Uh, working with and analyzing it uh, and then making decisions. So exploratory data analysis is data literacy on steroids because you're doing all those things, uh, specifically that part to understand the patterns and trends in order to inform decisions. So, 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 so I guess the one step that comes after this would be the communication step, right? Being able to communicate what you've learned, uh, the data storytelling, if you want to call it the communication phase of data literacy, being able to explain it, I always tell people data literacy, uh, data, data storytelling should really address th three questions. The what, so what, and now what? You know, what did you discover? Why should I care? And now what can I do about it? Okay, so if you can answer the three questions, because every business leader, stakeholder, whether it's your boss or your investors, in our case, in a startup, they're gonna ask the question, you know, why should we care? What, what did you do? Why should we care? What, what, what should we do about it? And so that's that communication thing that brings it right back from the technical stuff you did to the very human way of explaining it. So exploratory data analysis, I, I, I just call that uh, having your first, that first date with your data, right? So, ha so have your first date with your data. <laughs> Look at the patterns and trends, see what's good about it, what's not so good about it, what you can do about it. Uh, so get up and close and personal with your data and said that that is all part of data literacy. And that last phase is to then explain what you learn and what people should do about it. Why should they care? So what, yeah. so what, and now what question? So that, so that, that brings exploratory data analysis full circle into uh, data literacy on steroids, basically. I think definitely that answers Gaurav's question. Also, um, I see someone from NASA is joining. Uh, hello, fellow NASA vet. I spent 10 years with NASA. Uh, it's a LinkedIn user. I don't know, maybe because of the privacy. <laughs> but uh, feel free to write your name. We'll see who it is. And um, uh, I had a question for you. Obviously, uh, we're talking a lot about data literacy. So, uh, Kirk, where do you actually see data literacy going in the next two to three years? Because obviously, it is one of the most important things that if you are in data, like the field, if you're a data professional, you shouldn't first know what data is and be be that data literate. So yeah. yeah. Well, I think first of all, probably almost everybody on this uh, call today is data literate, right? I mean, I, the very fact that you exactly. are still here 53 minutes into this conversation, if, if you're still here <laughs> hearing me say that, you are you are already data literate. So, the, so where, where data right. literacy is going is that that more and more organizations are going to recognize the importance of it. There's been many, there are a lot of studies. I've given talks on this. I don't have the the articles in my head right now, but there's a lot of studies that should, that should, and Jordan Morrill includes and Jordan Morrill includes a lot of this in his data literacy book. I encourage yeah. people to look there. The, the statistics show that companies who don't focus on data as as a, as a, a sort of a literacy within their business, they whether they call it data democratization, data understanding, data exploration, whatever data-driven decision, whatever you call that, those companies that don't do it are showing uh, basically losing market presence, right? They're sort of losing market uh, share to companies who are focusing on data and, and, and employees who are data literate. 
So we're so what I think is that we see more companies paying attention to this and more companies demanding data literacy upskilling for their employees. And so one of my side hustles is doing that. So I, I'm actually working with a, uh, a person up in New York City. She uh, she actually is a she was a uh, ran a training company. She did professional uh, business training. Uh, her, her her specialty was uh, product management. Okay, so she was she did she taught product managers in her training company. Then um, she lost her company for whatever reasons. Uh, anyway, I'll just say that she lost her company, found herself out of a job in her late fifties, and now she's suffering from ageism. So ageism is a form of bias where you don't hire a person because of their age. All right, and she's yes, suffering from she's suffering from ageism. She can't get another job. And so she and I have hooked up together uh, and we started this as just a freebie, as just a uh, no charge to anybody. We invite people off the street. I've done it t twice in New York City. Just random people come in and we teach them what data is. I spend four hours telling them data stories. We play with Legos. We play with all kinds of funny little things and, and we teach people. Uh, I show them I, I, uh, like a cash register receipt from a store. And I say, what do you see here? And they say, I see a receipt. And I say, well, I see data. And I talk about all the kinds of data there, the, the, where the store is located, the time of day, what did I bought, how much did it cost, how much did I buy? Uh, so, so the focus is bringing people, upscaling people who have no idea what data is. And they think of data as a four letter word. So we're so we actually going to want to rename our course because one of the people we asked a person who was over 70 years old she said i walked in here not knowing what to expect except you offered me free coffee and free donuts so i decided i would come and she said that she was so amazed that she could learn i said yeah you can learn and that's what that's that's the whole point of this is to teach people they can learn and she said and i asked she said i said so what did you learn she said i learned that data is not a four-letter word <laughs> <laughs> so some people argue with me. I have people argue with me when I say that. Well, Kirk, it is a four-letter word. I said, get, give it up. It's a joke, people. Okay, don't argue with me about the joke. Don't argue about the punchline of the joke. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, definitely. So how uh, how often do you do you do that? Uh, is it daily that you put out? No, we started. No, we started doing that in 2019, and then and then this thing COVID happened. Oh, okay. So we haven't done it since then. But 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 uh, we, we were online together uh, last week. We did Facebook Live together last Tuesday, uh, talking about okay. it. So Deborah Albert. So, so Deborah watched for Deborah Albert. Um, so she's involved with Lean In. So I don't know if, if uh, your uh, audience is familiar with Lean In. It's an international women's uh, professional women's advancement uh, professional advancement uh, organization. Uh, so you know I don't know thirty thousand chapters worldwide, uh, and. Uh, I guess it was started by Cheryl, or co-started with by Cheryl Sandberg. I guess that uh, okay. she's the what's the CFO at Facebook. I'm, 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 maybe I'm wrong. Forgive me if I'm wrong there. But anyway, so so she's yeah. promoting my friend Deborah. She's promoting uh, data literacy to uh, her lean-in community. She's the regional director in New York, up in New York State, New York City. Anyway, so uh, so we're promoting data literacy as part of that upskilling to help people. And any stage of career or life, whether it's a stay-at-home parent, or returning to work, or a returning veteran, or maybe even a person who doesn't have any education, they're just trying to figure out how they can get a job in today's world. Uh, this is for everyone. This is anyone. Like I said, you don't need the PhD or the bachelor's even. Uh, just you can start out of the gate once you start, once you start learning things about data. Uh, one of the more sort of counter examples from that course that we taught 
one of the guys who came was a PhD in mathematics, and he says, I'm going back to school to learn this stuff. <laughs> I mean, you see, here's the guy who's got a PhD, and he, now he says, I got to go back to school to learn more of this stuff. Oh, my goodness. You can only imagine how uh, sometimes we feel that we are data literate, but uh, you're not. And it's the simplest things that we look at, and, uh, you know, it is just uh, not there. Because obviously, a person, you know, having a look at data, they know more about it. Sense. But the funny thing is, it, it's both true and not true what you just said, right? There's more to it than you see, but we're already natural because because we have eyes and ears and everything. So we're already taking in sensory information and making decisions every single moment of our life. From the, from the time we're born, we recognize we're hungry. We recognize our parents' voice. We recognize our mother's arms all around us. So, so, so we're sensing things already and, and making decisions about... I'm going to cry because I'm hungry or I'm going to cry because I don't see my mother in front of me. <laughs> so I got four grandchildren and one of my grandchild grandsons is very young. And when his mom leaves the room, <laughs> he gets very unhappy. <laughs> so so we're, they're already, we're already good at recognizing patterns and data. We just need to recognize that that is now really a business proposition, not just what we were born with with our eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it makes but, sense. but there's still more to it than just that. So, so like you said, there's, there's still to, stuff to learn, but you can learn it because that's, that's just how we're wired. We're wired to learn. We're, machine learning is doing nothing more than what we're wired to do. We learn from past experience. One of the, one, one of the best definitions I ever learned from about, best definitions I ever heard for machine learning was the first one I read 24 years ago, the first the 23 years ago, the first time I started hearing about machine learning at NASA. I said, what is this stuff? So I got a copy yeah. of a book by Tom Mitchell, which I still think was <laughs> Tom Mitchell, one of the greatest oh, Mitchell, machine, learning, yes. machine learning guys in the world. I actually met him in person once and <laughs> I thanked him profusely. Wow. His definition in his book was machine learning is the set of mathematical algorithms that learn from experience. Or more simply, machine learning are algorithms that learn from experience. And when I first read that, I said, that made no sense to me. What is he talking about? Until as the years went by, I realized exactly what it meant. It learns the, the patterns in the historical data, which is experience, to build a, a model. So you call that supervised learning, but we also learn patterns and data in unsupervised learning and even in reinforcement learning. We learn about patterns and data to make better decisions, to make the decision process is nothing more than a prediction process that is like, if I do this, will this happen? If I do that, will that happen? And so... So I tell people that uh, machine learning and human beings and raising teenagers can all agree that one thing that unites all of these topics, teenager, raising teenagers and doing machine learning, is that good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, when, we train, so yes. when we train our models, we always measure error and we back propagate right. the error to improve our models. Otherwise, if, if we're not using a, a holdout set and doing cross validation on our machine learning and, and back propagating to, hyper to change the hyperparameters and tune the model, then we're not really doing machine learning. So you, you learn from bad models. So I, so I always tell people, if, if I interview for a job, interview you for a job, I want you to tell me about your wrong models first. Don't tell me about your good models. Tell me about your wrong models. Wrong and how, models and how, right. because, because we learn from those experiences and, that, and that's very important. 
Oh. Anyways, so I think I we, we've killed our hour. We, I think we've killed our whole hour here. <laughs> it's dead. But, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the hour it. Is Definitely. Dead. Yes, but one last uh, question that I'll be picking from uh, the obviously from the audience is from Shruti Jain about storytelling. So can you tell us some tips on data storytelling for presenting our data science project in an interview? Well, first I'll go back to my three, make sure you answer the three questions. You know, what, so what, now what? The other tell what you did, uh, why, why it matters, or why it mattered to whoever you did it for, because hopefully you did it for some purpose, <laughs> why you did it, why it matters, and then what was the outcome? What, did, what, did, what to do with it? You know, the what, the so what, and the now what? And so another way I like to describe this is, is that uh, anyone can talk the talk. Anyone can just use the buzzwords in a sentence. So, so don't, in your interview, just try to impress people that you know how to use fancy words and sentences, you know, like deep learning and, you know, backpropagation and convolutional neural networks and recurrent networks. If you're just using buzzwords in a sentence, you're talking the talk, you need to do more than that. Okay, so 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 really successful hardcore data scientists, you're doing you, what I call, you're, you're actually walking the talk. You're doing the hard stuff. You're doing those tough, those, you're doing those things. But in data storytelling, you gotta flip the script. You have to talk the walk. All right, so talk the walk means now right. describe it in common language to people, the, the hard technical things you did. So so one of the uh, successful characteristics of a data scientist is in, 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 among all the other things like creativity and curiosity and communication, there's empathy. Because not everyone's gonna get this. You have to have empathy with the audience, yeah. empathy with the stakeholder, em empathy with the business owner, em empathy with your investor, whoever it is you're, 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 you're talking with. They may not get all of the, the terminology and mathematics and coding you're talking about. But but, but, but tell them that in a personal way, in a human way, the what, so what, now what. Uh, but also, but but don't but don't just use the buzzwords in a sentence. Just tell them the hard stuff you did, but try to explain it in a way, you know, that they can recognize the value in it. And so so yeah. think of things, so, so that empathy is basically putting yourself in that other person's shoes. What, what do they want, what, what do they want to learn from you? They want to, do they want to learn that you know mathematics? That you know this latest Python library? No, I think they want to learn that, that, that you are going to be a valuable team player. You're going to contribute value. You're going to communicate that value. Uh, so not just to them, but even to their stakeholders, because ultimately everyone has a boss, right? So, 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 so put yourself in their shoes and say, how am I? How, how can I help that person? And so, wow. so, so, so I think for any job interview, whether it's data science or anything else, you always got to put yourself in the shoes of the interviewer because they're 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 in a position too. Where they want to make sure they got the right person, you know. You want to make sure you got the right job, so so you're both shopping, really. You're, so so it's okay that 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 you don't necessarily might not like the job that's being offered to you, and they may not like they may not like you for the job, and all that is a learning experience. And so just go in there with the joy of learning and say, I'm going to learn from this, whether I get the job or not. <laughs> That's so true, and uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense for Shruti, I'm sure about that. Uh, also, we had a few comments which say it's great insights, machine learning and humans are closer than we think. Yes, Mike uh, agreed completely, and Murat was here. Murat says, uh, <laughs> you are a pure inspiration. Murat recently wrote a book as well on uh, AI Thought Book, uh, a fantastic book. It's on my way, uh, so I'm waiting for that. Uh, I couldn't uh, for it actually. Just the last one from audience that I'm taking, which is what's one thing that from your career that you are proud of, Kirk? Uh, can you tell uh, us about it? I, know, I guess I, I'm, I'm most proud of my humility. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, 
No, that, I agree about that. that that's, yes. a, that that's a really hard question because I've had so many very fortunate experiences. I mean, just unbelievable. But I think the the mentors that I've had, I, I, I'm just proud that I, I was fortunate enough to have really outstanding mentors all through my career. Uh, started with my graduate advisor, I mentioned James Gunn, uh, one of my postdoctoral mentors, um, uh, Vera Rubin. She's uh, the next big American astronomical observatory is going to be named after her. Uh, one of the great scientists of the 20th century uh, discovered dark matter and galaxies. She was uh, my uh, postdoctoral mentor. Uh, my first uh, employer uh, after after my postdoc working at NASA was uh, uh, Dr. Netta Bacall. She's now a pr uh, professor at Princeton University, and she uh, uh, she basically said, "Go, go and build, Kirk." And so she just gave me freedom to to, to build. I built the entire end to end, front to back, back end, front end, user interface, everything for the Hubble, the Hubble Space Telescope proposal entry and processing system, which every scientist in the world used. And when the Hubble was launched in the early years, and until they got the more advanced system, because Kirk was not <laughs> a software developer, <laughs> but I was very proud of that because it was used by every every astronomer in the world who wanted to use that telescope. And uh, and she gave me the freedom, Netta Bacall, Dr. Netta Bacall gave me the freedom to do that. So, so I'm just uh, proud that I've had the opportunity to work with this amazing uh, mentors and and uh, opportunity had giving me opportunities. No, I think definitely. I think when you have great leaders and great mentors, your career tends to shape very well. And you're under that guidance where you have that light and you have that freedom to do a lot of things. So, yep. which is fantastic. And it was great. Uh, and at, okay. Now and, look at, and look at this. Wow. This is, this is proof. This is my, this is the award NASA gave me for building that system. A, a, a scale model of the Hubble telescope. Wow, this looks amazing. I need a photo of it. Uh, maybe yeah. after after the session, you probably, you probably can't up. read that uh, achievement award. I can, I can. Kirkburn, I can see the last. Okay, nineteen eighty nine achievement award. So NASA wow. gave me this award for building that entire system, which was used uh, around the world. So I guess I'm pretty proud of this that. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, amazing. So Kirk, uh, we'll have, we'll just, uh, I know we are up uh, and I've killed more than uh, an hour, but I'll just ask a few quick questions, fun, rapid fire questions, sort of, um, uh, can we do that? Like it won't take more than five minutes. Sure. Uh, is your audience still okay. here? <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I, I, see the question, I see the comments and questions are coming in. I think there's, yeah, I, exactly. I, I want to answer one of the persons that was the biggest obstacle. Uh, yeah, it may not be believable, but oh, yeah, I, yes. I, I, growing up, I had the absolute worst fear of public speaking. When I was in mm. even grade school, when I knew I, I had to present something to class, we had a show and tell. <laughs> Little kids stand up in front of the class, and you bring something and talk about it. I, I, I pretended to be sick. I told my mom I was sick. I put the <laughs> pillow over my head to, to make sure I, I, my body heat went up. So when she measured my temperature, I was hot. <laughs> So I got out of going to school that day because I was, and all through school and high school and college, I was deathly afraid of speaking ever. I couldn't do it. I was just absolutely terrified. And uh, so you wouldn't believe that now because right? I do it all the time. But uh, exactly. how, how I overcame that was uh, actually a, a, yet another wise person came to me one day. Uh, I was preparing a presentation. I guess I was in graduate school. I was going to give a public talk at some of my research for the, at, a, at a professional astronomy conference. I was terrified. And he said, this, this guy, this friend, he recognized 
this in me, I guess, from just knowing me. He said, he said, Kirk, I want to tell you something. He said, you will be surprised at how little other people think about you. <laughs> and he was right. He was right because all because I all I could think about was if I say something wrong or I trip over some words, people are going to be remembering that and thinking badly of me afterwards. And I said, no. no, no one would ever be doing that. I mean, but that that's the way my brain was working. I was thinking all these terrible thoughts about myself. And he said, Kirk, you'd be surprised at how little other people actually think about you. And by saying that, he just completely freed me up just to not even worry about it anymore. And that was 40 and years ago. That was 40 years ago. Yeah. And obviously, I don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just, just a fun question to follow up with this. Uh, how many uh, speaking engagements roughly do you do uh, in a year, Kirk? Uh, let's see. I only have two this week. It's usually a couple a week. It's either a podcast, <laughs> a webinar, or a conference presentation. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's a couple times a week. More than 100, what I can imagine. Yeah. So actual, actual conference keynotes, it's about once a month, sometimes twice a month, where I get the, I'm the invited keynote speaker, which uh, uh, helps me pay the bills. That's the mm. fun thing about working at a startup is that uh, we don't have any clients yet. So, <laughs> so it's hard to get a salary when you don't have any business yet, which is fine because uh, I, yeah. I, 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 other things are working out for me. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's frequent. <laughs> yes. Okay, Kirk. So with the fun questions, with the rapid fire, obviously I had this question: uh, Who are your favorite five data say data community folks whom you oh encourage to people to follow? I know there are many, there are many, but five people <laughs> you want the audience to follow for today. For the next session, I'll ask the other five. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, there's too many. There's far too many. I, I mean, of course, Kate Strachty, who's out here somewhere. I hope she's still yeah. here. She's just a phenom. Um, so Bill Schmarzo, I mean, he's just like teaching. If you, if you follow him on LinkedIn, you're just being taught multiple times a day with, from his wisdom. Exactly. Uh, Bill Schmarzo, uh, another person uh, that I uh, I love a lot uh, is uh, is Miko Yuk. She's a founder of BI Brains, uh, a champion data science, a data storyteller. Uh, I mean, she's she, she and then Lillian Pearson. These are two people, both. And Kate, I mean, I just think of these people, how they, they, they basically created their own business. They've created an entire business model for around uh, what they love doing. And, and that, that, that just impresses me. And there's, there's so much content. Uh, they maybe, maybe deliver it in different ways. Uh, maybe we'll see them so much active. Some of these people, like Miko, not so much active on Twitter and LinkedIn, but, but the content she delivers and the value she brings to organizations. So these, these people I just admire a lot. Uh, and then uh, I, don't, I don't like I said. There's just there's just so many people I just can't even uh, <laughs> frame it in my head here. Uh, but uh, you know, there's, there's people like the I don't know. I I, I wish I could just put, <laughs> I wish I could just put so it all in, in one word or two words. But it's just like I, I know so many dozens and hundreds of people well on my social yeah. program. So I think another person oh, just I, I just want to throw one out there. Uh, one of my very earliest uh, big time supporters on uh in social uh carla gentry she's she's done a lot of different things uh, again another person who had was an independent consultant in the field for many years uh pay, you, know, you know paved the way for this stuff and and so you know people who have who've basically done the work that you know they, they've 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 built they've built something i mean i, th I think you can learn so much from people exactly. who built built things other than just 
uh, social influencer like me who was just talking about it. So, so, so now I'm in a startup. And we're, now I'm no, that's a, not true. So this is the perfect book. This is the perfect book into my career being at a startup because because I'm not I'm not just doing pure research and I'm not just talking about things. We're actually building things. So 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 maybe that's so maybe that's good for me to get to, to learn how learn how hard it is to build successful things. But all these people. I just named have have built successful things and that's no i think yeah but what i think is Kirk, what you have done is you've created a brand for yourself you yourself is a brand and you've created that over years of experience so i'm not gonna let you go away and say no i haven't created anything <laughs> you've created yourself <laughs> well, so which is fantastic and uh okay my quick next question is about uh the favorite books uh are there any favorite good reads that you would want to suggest at this moment or uh, that you currently reading well those? you know what there's uh there's so much out there as as you know you're constantly sending yeah, exactly. me great books <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and um, re I'm reviewing them as fast as i can exactly, uh, I know. but but i'm going to throw you a curveball here it's it, it, i mean a data a data science book okay so i i will say that's still true it's a data science book but it's maybe not the one you would think of Okay, yeah. so it's something that I learned from years ago. It's, it's actually called Data Mining Techniques. So Data Mining Techniques, and it's the, the third edition if someone's gonna look for it. And the subtitle is, it's Data Mining Techniques for Marketing, Sales, and Customer Relationship Management. Now, you, wow. so you might think, what does sales, marketing, customer relationship management have to do with this? Well, I'll tell you, uh, 20 years ago, uh, I was just sort of getting on board with learning a lot of this stuff. And uh, I was still at NASA, finishing my days at NASA, and I got a phone call from uh, a University of Maryland or, uh, person that asked me if I would teach a data mining course in their new graduate uh, court, uh, database program. They, they decided they needed this course in machine learning and data mining. And so for the first semester, I taught all this stuff, you know, about neural networks and decision trees and all these different kinds of things. And I was just mouthing the words. And, that, and then I got a hold of this book and I read this book, then not the third edition, it was an earlier edition, but now the third edition is even better. And it, it explained neural networks and all these things in language that was completely understandable to me because we all deal with sales. We, we are all, right, we're, we, we all are consumers, right? So we all understand yeah. customer relationship management. There you go. We under, so it's, it's language that we all deal with every day because we are all marketed to, we all buy things. We all like to be treated nice as a customer. And so when you think, when you read this book, they, they give you these very understandable sort of business use cases, but at the same time, they're explaining, they're explaining in this book, these complicated concepts around these different types of algorithms. And it was, it was really the first time I really understood what a neural network, I actually worked on a research project at NASA where we built a neural network to predict the, the occurrence of fires, wildfires uh, in the wild across the world for, for climate models. And I helped to build the dang neural network model. And yet all of a sudden I never, I said, oh, I never really understood what backpropagation was. I never really understood why we have hidden layers. I mean, it finally, I never understood why we had activation functions. It all just became crystal clear when I read this book. And I, I said, it's, a, it's, it's not hard to read this book. Uh, it, it's, it's just yeah. great for giving you the language. Uh, and and like, like I said, that that very human language of describing things, like sometimes you need to describe this to other people. Uh, anyway, so it's really not necessarily the one you might think I would recommend to you. Uh, yeah. it's, and it's not it's not necessarily a new book. It probably doesn't have you know, computer yeah. vision and and yeah, back into deep, deep learning. But but I mean, once 
you got those foundational things and the rest of it just sort of follows after that. And I just, I just found so much value in that. And I think my students did too, because all of a sudden I was actually able to explain it as, as opposed to just mouthing the words. Cause I was, yeah. Anyway, that, that was the first time I was teaching actually <laughs> that stuff. Wow. And, and, and I just, and it's they, they just asked me to teach it. And I just said, yes. And then I did, and then, I'm, then I was like, what, <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine. Anyway. Okay, talking about books, uh, obviously, Kirk, I wanted to ask you this question is, uh, uh, when do you plan to write a book? I know I've asked you several times about you writing a book, in, yeah. uh, obviously, but now I, I really want to ask you, when do you plan to write a book? And if you want, if you plan to, what would that book be around? Would it be something around data mining or completely different? Uh... Well, uh, one of my goals after leaving Booz Allen a month ago uh, was to write the book this year. Yeah. Uh, this, now that I got this job at the startup, there's a lot of other <laughs> distractions happening, which is good. Uh, it's, it's fine. It's, it's just uh, I did, so, I, so I don't have quite the amount of free time I thought I was going to have this year, but I have to sort all that. <laughs> Obviously sort not. that out. Yeah. But, but, uh, but I think we have an understanding because uh, as a the chief science officer, one of for the for the startup, one of my uh, roles, I guess, is as uh, being able to stand in front of investors and in the community and talk about this from a very science, a data science exactly. perspective, and not just from a software development, you know, platform perspective. Even though the platform's cool, that's not why I'm there. I'm, not, I'm there to talk about more of this, the higher level science. You know, what what's yeah. what what are we doing scientifically? And so, so one of the things which I've always loved, as I've, I've already mentioned earlier in this presentation, was uh, uh, the, the Internet of Things, uh, sensor data, yeah. streaming data. Uh, so, I've, so the book I'm thinking about is, is around those uh, dynamic. There's a phrase for this. It's called dynamic data-driven application systems. So you actually can look this up okay. on the internet. There's a whole there's a whole field of research uh, that started at the at, at the United States uh, Office of uh, Air, Air Force Office of Scientific Research. And uh, okay. it was just it was just basic research about dynamic systems that are rapidly changing, and you have sensors in those environments. And uh, so, just one example, they they talked about like putting out a wildfire, putting out a, a burning building. You, you, if you actually have like a digital twin, a, a model of that building, you can recognize where the fire would would spread to. And so it's a very dynamic system, and you, and and data informs the the first responders of how to respond to the fire. So that was just one example that they gave of, of how. Uh, data gives insight into decision making in very dynamic situations and so i'm thinking about something along those lines but in a broader context obviously than just burning buildings <laughs> so no, I'll, I think I'll, I'll probably have a chapter i'll probably have a chapter on burning buildings in the book <laughs> i think definitely um the world will have eyes over that uh, book and uh, can't wait when it happens when uh, obviously we'll let the world know and uh, i'm sure you'll tell the world that uh, it will yep. be out uh, soon soon is the qualitative word right <laughs> Not quantitative. exactly i know <laughs> uh, um, also kirk uh, just uh, one question which has been your favorite podcast which podcast do you usually listen and you're like, okay. It's got to be this one. Ah, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I actually do podcasts. I don't really listen to too many because I do. Exactly. It's about once per week, actually. <laughs> Not every week, but it's about that. 
so uh, different. A lot of bad people have podcasts. I'm gonna I'm gonna start my own. That's one of the things that I didn't wow. mention. So if you go to the dataprime.ai website, right at the top, right on the top bar, menu bar on the website, it says Kirk's Corner, Corner with a K because Kirk has two Ks. Yes, Kirk Corner, yes. with, and I'm gonna have a podcast. I'm gonna have latest hot topics in the field of data science, uh, short tutorial tutorials on data science topics. Uh, interviews with people like uh, Rabbit Jane, for example, and uh, you know things like that. <laughs> so, but anyway, so uh, yeah, so, def so definitely, I love your podcast, uh, and I encourage everyone to go and watch your shows. Uh, Thank you, Cook. You that's, are, a, <laughs> that's a compliment. Yeah, so when you said top five people in the field, I would I would mention you, but that sounds like self-serving there. But uh, I really do. <laughs> no, I, no I, exactly. No, but, I no, but I greatly admire how. I mean, you've really just uh, t taken the world of by storm and the and things you're doing here. Just just really advancing uh the field in, in terms of the communication and share, you know knowledge sharing that goes on through your podcast and through the people you interact with and the things you do in, the, in your publishing world it's just phenomenal so congratulations to thank you, you very much Kirk. it's just <laughs> i think it's just the way uh you know obviously i've learned things from people like kate stretchnik people like you are there and uh, thanks for always being around there and thanks yeah. for that compliment obviously but um talking about data prime i i really like the website i think i'm visiting it for the second time but uh, it's very cool yeah people uh, are working. still in the making but very cool yeah it's still evolving like i said we're just uh early days still getting a lot of feedback from beta testers uh but the but the uh uploading your profile is there uh encourage people to go okay, there so so if you click on that uh yep for data professionals you start by just wow. setting up setting up a username password and uploading your profile so it's not just resume it's also what what are your interests and preferences in terms of where you like to work you know yeah. what type of you know salary preferences like that yeah we'd all like to make a trillion dollars a year but that's not going to happen so be, you know be real be, be realistic <laughs> <laughs> no i mean uh, we've got to be realistic i, I wish obviously so the expectations yeah. that but but it's, it's a lot more it's it's skills talents aptitudes education past experiences and uh it's like any recommender engine it's, it can only be better the more data it has and so uh mm -hmm. so what so, so the, the, you know, this is all obviously protected data no one's looking at it the algorithm is looking at it you know people are not looking at your data the, the algorithm is looking at your data and wow. it's, and it's i think that this is lovely yeah this is awesome work. i think uh, a great uh, work by data prime team already in the early stage itself it is like uh, a full-fledged package that uh, any employee or employer might uh, get out yeah. of it yeah. so and, one, and yeah. one last word about this and my yeah. role there is if there are very senior people in your audience today, or if you know very senior people, uh, we also uh, place very senior people. So, so you, so two, two of our two of our directors are from the field of executive uh, search. Okay, so they so they have they have experience in placing senior executives and and uh, premier uh, positions. So so this is from entry level people all the way up like VP, CEOs, chief technology officers, chief data officers, chief data scientists, very senior people. Uh, so some of these people, Melissa Moore, Lance Coleman, there's some names you saw there. Uh, they're, yes. They have a lot of background here that uh, will, so so that, that they, uh, if you're a senior executive, uh, the, there's a sort of another pathway that uh, you can communicate with me. Uh, 
that, that doesn't have to go through the profile uploading because obviously there's something very specific that a very senior executive can offer to obviously uh, exactly to yes. an employer and we and they, we need we need to have that specific conversation whereas mm. i mean that, that that's so that's different right if you're if you're a senior executive that's a different type of, of role but but pretty much every other data professional feel free to put your profile in there no matter what level you are or you dream to be two years from now because again like i said once you're in there that 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 phone call, like for me from Booz Allen, might come two years later, and uh, you know what a pleasant surprise it was, and what a great career opportunity it was for me when that happened. So so uh, you, you never know when it will happen, and what it'll look like. Uh, so just uh, enjoy your enjoy your career is all I can say. Uh, my, my my A number one, my top number one advice to everybody, anytime ever, is follow your passion. Do what you love doing. And uh, yes. and just follow, I think definitely, follow that. Follow that. Yes, makes makes a lot of sense. And thanks for explaining through and taking us through the data prime. Uh, obviously, a great work, and I'm looking forward to how many more strides they'll be making. I'll make sure that uh, I'm talking about that to my audience and people looking out for job. I know where I can, you know, at least show them a way where they can. Uh, go and submit their profiles and you know get the best job that uh, they're looking out for and uh, follow the passion like you said so okay uh, we are into it uh, Kirk it was fantastic uh, having you on the show loved loved your energy always love your energy but uh, just one last question before uh, for our audience uh, before you leave is about uh, where can people reach out to you if there's something they want to learn more about data prime about your journey about anything which is the best place they can reach out to you? Well, I think, uh, uh, well, you can email me at kirk at dataprime.ai. So that's right there on the screen, kirk at dataprime. Or LinkedIn, send me a LinkedIn message. Uh, yeah. I may not respond immediately because my inbox is totally flooded every day, <laughs> but, <laughs> but don't, don't let that stop you. If you, if you have a question, uh, I'll do my best to answer when, as fast as I can. Um, I'm extremely busy and active on Twitter, uh, yeah. but but I get uh, th uh, hundreds of notifications every day, so that it's less likely I'll see it there because I just get I'm just flooded there. I, I, it's just not possible to keep up with all the notifications <laughs> I get on Twitter. Uh, but uh, you can try. <laughs> you can respond to one of my tweets. Hopefully, I'll see it if you have a question. But but generally, as a LinkedIn messaging would probably be my first choice. Uh, direct messages to my company email uh, will also work. Okay. But uh, for just sort of drill stuff, I think uh, you know, this was fantastic. But Kirk, uh, obviously, and uh, what I'll do is definitely put your data prime email address for people. They can reach out to me. They can ask me. I'll give them that uh, email address, and the other places are sorted. It was fantastic having you, Kirk. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, obviously, I, you know, it's almost close to one hour, twenty-six minutes, and I'm still like, I can talk to you forever. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you go now. I know you're very, very busy and uh, respect your time. And thank you for visiting the Rabbit Yeah, it's been my pleasure, Rabbit. I, I love what you're doing. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I, I don't mind talking, as you've noticed. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that, I, thanks for the opportunity for, to, uh, to, Always, share, God. to share with your audience. Always open it's, it's really wonderful yes. what you're doing. So thank thanks. you, Doug. Yeah. All right.